Welcome to IAQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have changed. Good day, wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio, on Friday, April 3rd, 2009. My name is Cliff Slotnick, known as the Z-Man. Radio Joe Hughes will be participating remotely from Studio C in beautiful Indian Lake, PA. Joe, are you there? Hello. I'm here, Cliff. Good day. Good day. Our wingman, Chris Boisel, is at the controls. Good afternoon. And ghost, guest hosting in studio is Environmental Annie Ann Kowalecki. Good afternoon, all. Okay. Today's segments include the microband trivia question, an interview with our guest today, Anissa Coy, some halftime news. We'll resume our interview and the roundup. Radio Joe and I, along with the Wingman's help, have been working on the IQRadio.com website each week. We add a blog after the show. We've also changed the invitation and news announcement from IQ Radio and IQ Training. We hope you like it. First, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years at legends-enviro.com. Microband Systems, the microbial management company at microbandsystems.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. Dry Ease Products, providing equipment for drying water-damaged homes and buildings. Dry Ease is first in drying solutions at dri-eaz.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at jondon.com. And our newest advertiser, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions is the leader in portable, mobile, PC-based indoor environmental monitors and reporting software at wolfsense.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. To contact the show by phone, simply call 724 724- 444-7444 and enter our show ID, which is 1547. Press 1 and join the show. You can also download the show by going to our website at www.iaqradio.com and following the link that says go to the show. Or you can download the show from iTunes. Don't forget, you can also get your IICRC continuing education credits or IAQ council renewal credits by emailing Radio Joe and requesting the quiz. Radio Joe's email is joe.use at ieqtraining.com. To make suggestions, special requests, or ask technical questions, you can either email Radio Joe or the Z-Man at cliffslotnick at unsmoke.com. 
Last but not least, please visit the IEQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Trivia time. Sorry to report there were no correct answers for last week's trivia question. You can have fun with fellow listeners competing to win a cool prize by correctly answering a microband trivia question. And the good news is a few trivia questions from past shows remain unanswered. Actually, one. It's easy to submit an answer for the trivia question. Simply email your answer to cliffslotnick at unsmoke.com. Now the microband trivia question for Friday, April 3rd, 2009. On average, U.S. fire departments respond to a fire every 20 seconds, an outside fire every 41 seconds, a structure fire every 59 seconds, a vehicle fire every 122 seconds, and unfortunately, fires claim nine lives every day. The question that we're looking for is we want you to tell us how many estimated fires did U.S. fire departments respond to in 2007. Okay, how about some intro music? Well, we did get both her smile and her name. Her name is Anissa Coy, and along with her husband, Kevin, they are the owner-operators of All Pro Restoration, a full-service restoration company located in Chihuahua, Washington. She's also the creator of Mobile Clean and the Mobile Contents Cleaning Systems, for which she has an international patent pending. Her expertise in mobile contents restoration is surpassed only by her passion for helping families put their lives back together after disaster strikes. She is IICRC certified and a member of the Restoration Industry Association and the Heritage Conservation Society. She has four children, all of whom work in some capacity in the family business. Anissa was an instructor in the hospitality industry for companies such as Doubletree Hotel and Viacom, where she trained new employees on customer service and company policy and procedure. She's also owned and operated a successful tax and accounting business for 17 years, where she helped dozens of small businesses to set up their bookkeeping systems, their business computers, and she created custom filing systems for them. She did all this before entering the cleaning industry. She's been a speaker at the Piranha Marketing Rich Cleaner Conference on the subjects of business systems and education-based marketing. Anissa and her husband, Kevin, are the 2009 ambassadors to the cleaning and restoration industry for Piranha Marketing. Good day, and thank you, Anissa, for talking to us. Good morning, Cliff, Joe, and company. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's talk a little bit about your your life and growing up, and I've got some personal questions for you. Uh, did any events in your life help form or shape your personality as it is today? 
Well, I uh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I believe uh, very strongly in is that our environment um, definitely affects who we are, who we become, uh, develop into our personality. I think to a point that we're hardwired, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, with the natural abilities and, and, and things like that. Um, but definitely um, I grew up in a um, kind of a chaotic, uh, disorderly uh, environment as a child. And I think that my uh, natural abilities to um, organize and, and sort and categorize and systemize really came out um, at a young age. And I had a lot of opportunity to hone those skills mm-hmm. uh, with that chaos. Um, and, and it really made me, uh, growing up in that kind of environment, I was really able to see that that was definitely something that at a very young age I didn't want. It, it, you know, it was stressing to me. And... So I became uh, actually almost to a, a fault, I feel, at, at a young age. Uh, I became very um, obsessive about cleaning and, and sorting and organizing. Okay. Anissa, um, when and how did you realize that you were different uh, than the other kids? Well, actually, I thought they were the different ones. My Barbie dolls and you know, my, my nightstand was always neat and tidy and organized and the dolls had all their clothes on them and their little boots and hats and you know all that sort of thing and my clothes were all hung in my closet by color and I'd go over to my friend's house and their dolls were everywhere and their boots couldn't be found. They had one shoe on and one shoe off and, and I just I didn't quite understand. You know, I just thought that was different. So I, I never really viewed myself as different, really. Um, but uh, I, I taught them a lot about, you know, they should keep their Barbie's boots on and, and how they should organize them on their nightstands. You know, what I remember from growing up were that we had beatniks, and I don't know whether they're the opposite of neatniks or, or not. Anissa, <laughs> are you driven uh, by the need for orderliness or cleanliness or both? Well, you know, that was an interesting, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely driven by both, but if I had to give up one, it would, it would absolutely be that I have to have things orderly. You know, if I'm going to give a little bit in one area, um, and my husband can attest to, I won't give much in that area of cleanliness, but it would have to be orderly first and, and then, and then uh, the cleanliness. But I, I'm, I'm pretty driven by both. So do you have a simple passion for cleaning, or are you afflicted with a certain compulsion? Well, um, if passion is you love doing it, then I definitely have a passion for it. Um, I really, really love to clean. Um, I, I actually have a gal that comes into my house a couple times a month to help me with some deep cleaning, and my husband's always harassing me because I deep clean before she gets there. And I said, well, it's not fair because... I really enjoy doing that. It's, it's not work to me. Um, and, and yet I'm very compelled to do it as well. It's, it's not really something that I just, you know, think about. I just do it um, almost without thinking, just kind of as a natural, uh, you know, when I sit down. If we, if we go out to eat at a restaurant, I, um, you know, when we get done eating, I'm always picking up the silverware and the napkins, and I'm folding them on the place, and I'm stacking them and putting them out to the edge of the table. And I, I don't even think about it. I'm having a conversation you know, with my family, um, and, and I just start doing that. Um, but I definitely have a passion uh, for cleaning. I really enjoy it. I really love laundry. That's probably one of my favorites. 
<laughs> you know, the funny thing is I don't mind it either. I like taking the spots out, and you know, I find it kind of challenging. You know, in your bio, we mentioned some of the things that you did before uh, Mobile Queen, but how did your past work career prepare you for Mobile Queen and for the restoration business? Well, um, as I stated, when I, when I started out actually in high school, I started out in the hospitality industry, and I worked for Viacom. Um, I'm not sure if they still have some of those uh, restaurants back there, but they were uh, called Baker Square or Poppin' Fresh Pies. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really enjoyed that because um, it, uh, I, it, it, obviously, as in that industry, I could do a lot of cleaning and organizing. Um, it also, um, through that and through my tax business that I own for many years, I've done a lot of dealing with individuals one-on-one, -on -one. whether you're standing at a table, you know, taking someone's breakfast order or um, going over their income tax return uh, in their business for the past year. You, you learn how to ask people questions to figure out what's their fears, where their concerns, what are their needs. Um, and learn about, you know, what's important to them. You know, when I, when I was uh, a waitress, I, I had a gentleman, uh, Dave, who I knew exactly what was important to him, his five creams and his coffee cups to stay full all the time. And I always made sure that that happened for him because um, I, I knew that that's, that's what he needed to be happy. Um, you know, in, in, in my clients, um, some of them needed, you know, uh, things to be tidy. Some of them needed to understand every detail. Some of them just needed to know the bottom line. And so I feel that with that experience, it, um, before coming to uh, creating <clears throat> Mobile Clean and going into the restoration industry, it gave me the ability to really understand how to communicate with people that I feel is very huge and be able to listen, which I think is even more huge. And so it was uh, able to pull out the, bring the human human factor and humanize the process that I feel was extremely important. How uh, Lisa, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go um, ahead, I'm curious, can you give us some examples of the types of questions you would use to help get some of the information you need to make me, you know, make people more comfortable after they've been through one of these disasters? Oh, absolutely. Um, well, one of the things that I, that I do as soon as I show up to a job site is I, I want people to, um, I feel you only have a very few minutes. Um, in the first five minutes, you're either going to have their complete confidence and faith or not. And some of the very first things that I do, uh, one is a, a lot of eye contact with them. I look them right in, in the eyes when I'm talking to them, um, uh, introduce myself, shake their hand, um, and ask them to please show me around their home. Now, this is difficult for some people because at this point, as, as you probably uh, are aware, that a lot of these people's homes are in a pretty disastrous situation. The kitchen ceiling's on the counter. There's, you know, uh, blown-in insulation all over the floor. We're wearing possibly respirators and booties on our feet. And so, but showing them that respect, asking them to show me around their home, I, I hear right from, then I just, I'm, then I'm quiet. I, I really don't ask. Uh, a ton of questions. I ask them to show me their home. They tour me through their home, and I listen. They tell me what's 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 here on this wall. Here's this room. I'm and and it starts coming out what they're concerned about, what they're worried about. One of the key questions that I do ask um, homeowners is, if you could walk away from your home right now with nothing but five items, just five items, 
and right now you had to make that decision, what would those five things be? And generally, people usually can only come up with about three things. It's usually their, you know, their wedding dress, their photo albums, and maybe something that their grandmother or their father made for them who has now passed away. So I just discovered what's the most important thing to them. What's, what's their biggest fear by asking that question? So I'll take those items. I immediately am able to deal with them right away on site with our unit. And in, within, within 24 hours, I can deal with these items on generally. And um, their fears are just right there. I have their trust. They understand that what's important to them is important to me. Great. That's a great answer. You know, in your family business, um, you know, who's in charge when you go out and you work on a claim? Oh, well, me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> a little bit, especially if my, my family's listening. Um, there's actually um, our son, Travis. Um, he, he's our um, oldest child. He works for us in the company full time. And he uh, is one of our managers on the unit. Um, so it kind of depends on who's there. If I'm on the job, generally I'm running the job. Um, he's there um, about, I would say, 50% of the time running the job um, and in charge. Um, and uh, Kevin works out on the jobs with us to some degree. Um, uh, Kevin and I have, have kind of some opposites in our uh, personality. He's, he's definitely not a, a orderly uh, clean freak. And um, so he does real well with parts of it. But uh, he delivers the units because we, we actually pull that with our own vehicle. And uh, helps with the technical side and setup, and sometimes the triage. On the job, how do you get rough and tough men into the mindset of being a rough and tough detail cleaner? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a really uh, good question, uh, and if all of you have a really good answer to that, I'd like to know. Um, it, it's uh, it's not easy. Um, it's definitely not. Uh, for everyone, and, and for some reason, I, I, I believe that it must be in the, in the wiring, I guess, in, in men, but a lot of men have a difficult time with tedious, small, you know, uh, tasks that take time, um, some, and, and, those, and they're just some who just can't. Um, we have crew that do really great on uh, many aspects of our restoration, but there's absolutely no way they would want to work on the unit. Um, my son, um, another couple gentlemen that work for us are amazing at that. Um, I think that the biggest key, whether it's a man or a woman, to um, you know get them in that mindset of that thorough detail cleaning is to really get their buy-in um, as a team and what we're doing here, uh, you know, with Mobile Clean. If you're if you're cleaning someone's the smoke and soot off someone's coffee maker uh, or off of someone's you know remote control to the TV. It's not just a remote control or a coffee maker. We are cleaning these things so that these people can put their lives back together and have all of their things, which most of us identify with who we are, right, um, back together and, and in their home and, and restored. And so what we're really doing is not just cleaning that coffee maker and that remote. We're actually giving people hope that things are going to be okay. You know, when you talk about the, this hard wiring and you talked about mm -hmm. yours and how it's a little bit unique, when you go out onto one of these job sites and you walk in and everything's a mess, uh, are you focused on the kitchen table and the silverware and the plates, you know, being out of order, or can you <laughs> look at the whole thing? 
Oh, you know, um, that was actually very difficult for me in the very beginning when I when I first started in this side of restoration because that's exactly what I wanted to do, Cliff, was, you know, put the dishes away and, and, and empty the dishwasher and, and wipe off the kitchen table. And obviously those are not necessarily some of the most important things that we need to do right away. So what I had to do um, when I would come into this kind of a, a triage, my husband does incredible at this. He can walk into the middle of a nightmare and, and organize it, sort it, get everybody going in the directions they need, and he actually thrives in that. What I found for me was I had a difficult time. It actually really stressed me out uh, to the point of, um, I mean, I would get really, really anxious. So what I've done um, in, the, in the mobile systems is created checklists for everything. Um, you know, there's a, a beginning of job checklist, and you make sure that these important questions have been asked, these certificates have been signed in releases, and um, then you have the, you know, first two hours of the job, what are the, what are the triage things? Is there a grandfather clock? Are we dealing with a piano? Do we have artwork on the wall? You know, this sort of thing. I had to organize myself so that I had a direct focus that I could take care of this, this, and then this in the orderly fashion, um, and then get to what I really wanted to do, which was get the silverware off the table, <laughs> uh, you know, that sort of thing. So that, that's, a, that's an interesting question, Cliff. I've never been asked that before, but that was difficult for me. Um, and that's why I created those systems to be able to, um, you know, go in and, and just be able to handle that right away. The other thing is, is that not everyone, you know, which I, I learned at a young age is, is wired like I am. Not, not everyone sees things the way I do. I, I would walk into a job site and think, well, why aren't you guys doing this? Or why, why haven't you handled this? So setting up these systems not only helped me, but helped my team be able to you know, set things up to be able that every job's done the same way every time, and we don't miss some of those very, very important critical first steps when we uh, first show up to a client. Anissa, does the word clutterphobic mean anything to you? <laughs> <laughs> Just curious. Oh, Robin, Robin, Robin. <laughs> yeah, I uh, was listening to uh, the dysophobia with Ron Alford that Cliff did was just. I, that, I loved that interview that you guys did, and I, I felt so validated in so many ways when I was listening to that. <laughs> um, and I was trying to figure out, okay, wow, I, whatever the complete opposite of, you know, so the phobia is, is exactly what I am. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's the words of my office administrator, I think, there. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, someone actually texted it in, so we figured that we, would, <laughs> that we would just ask Funny. you. Uh, Very good. Let's talk about really the general range of business services that your business performs. What all do you do? Well, um, in our company, Alpar Restoration, we do full, complete restoration. Um, we have put in septic systems and driveways and foundation footers and built the house from the ground up when it was a complete burndown um, to, you know, just repairing some sheetrock cut out in a wall uh, from a flood. Um, we handle all that phases of reconstruct. Um, we do hazmat, trauma scene, mold remediation, um, sewer backup, you know, wind, fire, smoke, whatever. Um, and as far as contents go then with mobile clean, and, and we do that, I'm, I'm sorry, we do that with all pro restoration in our uh, tri-county area in northern uh, Washington, north of Spokane. Um, in mobile clean, we actually cover a 250-mile radius of Spokane, Washington right now, um, going clear over to uh, Wenatchee and the edges of Seattle, 
to the Canadian border, uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and down. In fact, right now I'm sitting in Lewiston, Idaho, um, talking to you on a job site. And um, on the mobile clean, we do not do any reconstruction or demolition. We do um, content cleaning and, and inventory logging of destroyed items, and we do a structure clean. Um, if I use the term elevator pitch, uh, you know, some people may, may know what I mean. You know, if you have like two minutes in an elevator uh, to, mm-hmm. to talk to someone, if you could maybe give us the elevator pitch on your system, if, if you could do that. Yeah. Um, the mobile content cleaning unit is a um, fully state-of-the-art equipped um, mobile cleaning warehouse on wheels. Uh, we can pull up into um, pretty much any site. There's just a very few applications where the mobile unit um, would not be uh, probably feasible. It's a 34-foot fifth wheel. Uh, we pull it with a one-ton truck, and it is set up complete with um, general cleaning station. We have our Omegasonics ultrasonic machine. Um, we have rinse baths, pre-wash, and our deodorizing 99 stations. We have a drying room set up with our dry yeast 1200 and our ozone room uh, for small items, uh, knickknacks and books and whatnot, right on the unit. Um, And then we have our packing inventory station uh, where we um, have custom Excel spreadsheets that we type in by the room and inventory boxes and so the homeowners know exactly what's in every single box and they get a printout logged cleaned inventory. We store our items um, either in a pod dropped on site or we deliver them to the rental if the homeowner is going to be out of their structure for a while. Or sometimes we have to put them in climate control storage and and depending on the climate. Um, We uh, we also do complete log destroyed inventory uh, for the adjusters and the homeowners where we have a customized Excel spreadsheet that actually... Um, calculates for them um, by the room depreciation. All they have to do is put in their percentage of depreciation that they want to use by the item and the price of the item. Whose idea was mobile clean, Anissa? Well, actually, um, I uh, the, the company, um, I, I've been working for the company for a number of years, and the prior, I purchased it from my, my old boss, and the prior owner one day called me, and I, I, I'd done two content jobs and uh, packed them out and brought them back to our warehouse. And I just was really frustrated with the whole process. I I felt like it was a waste of resources. It was cumbersome. The homeowner was very stressed because all of their items were leaving, you know, their their home and their site. And so I I expressed this to my then boss, and we had a phone conversation one day, and he says, you know, why, why can't we just do this on site? Why can't we bring our warehouse to them? And I thought, how are we going to do that? So we put it actually in the back of a 38-foot semi-trailer, and we used to do this in a, in a semi. And um, about three years ago, when my husband and I purchased the company from uh, the prior owner, I came up with the idea that, you know, that's great in a rural setting, but I felt that it was really cheating people who lived in a community. I couldn't, you know, park a semi-trailer in someone's driveway that was living in, you know, downtown Spokane. So I came up with the idea to put it in a 34-foot fifth wheel so that it was more accessible and could park in an average driveway. And so it it really was my concept. I I had a lot of input and and, uh, ideas from others, um, but it was was, uh, basically my concept. 
Okay. Well, I think what we should probably do is it's about 9.28. I think what we're going to do is we're going to stop for halftime. If you could please uh, hang on with us, we would, uh, we would appreciate that. And uh, let's bring Dr. Dieter on, see if he has any comments, and then Joe and I each have some information we'd like to share with the listeners. Dr. Weil. Yes, sir. Any commentary on the first Yes, I'm half? here. Yeah, I have, uh, I have a couple of questions. I still don't quite understand what's going on. I mean, <clears throat> is Anissa just taking care of messy houses? I, I certainly would have a full-time job in my case. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, in, 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 I, I, from what I understand, in many instances, there may be residue from smoke or uh, an, an accident of one kind or another, water intrusion, fire, what have you. And are your employees, I mean, trained? Do they, do they need at times respirators? Um, do they know about safety rules on, you know, with electrical circuits? Or is that not necessary uh, when you, you know, go about your duties? Um, well, uh, and, and I maybe should have said that uh, towards the beginning. We, we do only insurance work. Um, and, uh, yes, sometimes that does involve cleaning very messy houses um, for dysophobic people. Um, but it's, it's usually only one, we're involved once it's an insurance client. So there's been some kind of an accident that's happened that's caused the insurance company to get involved. Um, our crew and staff, we have PPE gear on board for everyone. And yes, um, our uh, technicians or our team members are IICRC certified and trained. We do training classes in health as well. Um, we do have um, our policies and procedures manual and our safety manual, and everyone is trained on how to, um, you know, <clears throat> what circumstances that we need respirators. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, we don't deal with anything that would be involved with electrical. Um, that sort of thing. If we get into something that delicate, I call an electrician to deal with that. I don't even deal with that myself. I'm, I'm not a certified electrician. Um, when it comes to something like if we're going to do a hazmat or a trauma scene cleanup or mold remediation, we actually have three people in our company that are certified for that, and that's who primarily handles it. Um, trauma scene cleanups that we usually do is usually pretty small it's it's not usually that we're dealing with like a whole house we're dealing with like a room and we have three people my, my son and kevin my husband and another uh, staff member team member that are certified for that so we're sure that whoever goes into these jobs and, and uh, dealing with these aspects are trained to do that and we're very very careful with safety okay that sounds good i i didn't realize i mean you do i mean from from basic cleaning and and arranging silverware uh, <laughs> to uh, a crime scene uh, and, 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 and so on. You do, you do it all. That's great. Yes, yes. And we, we actually, like, for instance, the job that I'm on right now, um, it's very, very light clean. And we're actually what it's called a, a clean in place. We're cleaning the content items, um, bringing them, them down off the walls and out of the room, clean the room, a structure clean, deodorizing, and then putting things back. Um, it was a very, very small protein fire. There's not, there's no soot. There's just odor that we're dealing with. So, of course, we're doing air filtration and some ozoning as well. And I guess you mentioned ozone. I guess mm -hmm. you use that on occasion too. 
Yes, we have um, ozone, uh, an ozone room that we've built on the unit itself that we run. Um, I do things like porcelain dolls, knickknacks, books, uh, you know, things like that that are that are pretty order absorbent, and I, I'm not able to get the odor out of it in my other methods. And then what we'll do is a portable um, ozone room that we will do in the structure if I need to do large items like maybe the kitchen table or the couch after it's been steam cleaned. Yeah, okay. All right, Do, you, um, do you have ozone monitors just to make sure that you are below allowable limits? Is that absolutely. Um, on the unit, we actually have um, not, uh, what's the word, alarms. We have, because we are in an enclosed environment, I mean, it's less That's than right. 300 That's square right. feet. That, yes. Right, right. And I, and I should say, too, I don't think that we've mentioned I, my a perfect crew in there in the unit is seven people. Um, we can function on, you know, five or six, uh, but seven is a perfect crew uh, number of people. And so what we have in there is alarms for propane, carbon monoxide, and ozone. Okay. So that we're sure that it's safe. That, that sounds good to me, yes. <laughs> okay, Joe, would you like to um, make your comment or make the listeners aware of yeah, I've got uh, I've got a press release here, and then an article that I picked up, Cliff, that I find interesting. First, I want to uh, put the press release out, and that is that the uh, program called Standardization of Mold Response Procedures is going to be the subject of an ASTM, that's the American Society for Testing Materials Conference, to be held July 13 through 15, 2009, in Burlington, Vermont. Uh, the issue of mold growth has been transformed from a minor concern to a major liability despite lack of an objective measure for determining whether this ubiquitously present substance actually presents a health hazard. And I want to note for our listeners that we will have one of the uh, leaders in that uh, committee on the show next week, Ed Light, CIH, will be joining us on next week's show, and we'll talk a lot more about this upcoming event in Burlington, Vermont. Cool. The the second announcement I had a news release was one that I picked up through uh, through the internet and that was um, we had I think we had uh, mentioned before that there was a four point seven five million dollar jury award to a Loudoun County couple who said they had extensive mold problems in their new home and it made them sick. Mm-hmm. Um, a judge on appeal has reduced that to $1.4 million, still a significant amount of money. Circuit Court Judge Thomas D. Horn, in a written opinion, let stand the jury's verdict that the Drees Company was negligent in building the home, but said there was no evidence that Paul and Wendy Meng developed long-term health problems. Uh, considering the absence of permanent injury, the court finds the jury verdict as, the, as to the negligent counts were excessive, uh, Home wrote in the March 6th opinion. The award was so excessive that it created the impression that the jury had misconstrued the law, Horn said, and um, the home, he also struck down the other jury verdict totaling almost $2 million on claims of fraud and violation of the Virginia Consumer Protection Act and also said the Mengs could not recoup attorney's fees related to the act. You may recall, Cliff, we had... Uh, discussed that uh, type of Consumer Protection Act uh, legal, um, you know, actions in the past. Uh, there was one successful in Ohio. It looks like this was initially successful. 
it's been reduced, and I'll be curious to see what uh, some of our attorney friends will have on in the future will t- will tell us about this case. Good, Joe. Joe, can you join me to uh, talk about our sponsors right after I do my um, article? Sure. Okay. Wussy, 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 hefty, hefty, hefty. Dateline, April 1st, 2009. The flood of new green cleaning products and disinfectants being used by Canadian hospitals are often ineffective in combating infections that sicken thousands of patients per year, experts warn. Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. The Quebec Health Ministry recently issued a warning to hospitals urging them to ensure that products marketed as environmentally friendly will effectively clean surfaces and keep patients safe and protected, according to the National Post. Experts warn that many manufacturers are marketing products that are simply diluted versions of traditional chemicals. There is a growing fear that ineffective green products are making hospitals more susceptible to pathogens like Clostridium difficile and norovirus, the story stated. Syed Sator, microbiologist at the University of Ottawa who specializes in disinfectants, said, quote, what, the, what that does is gives people, the infection control professional, the people on the front line in hospitals, a certain false sense of security. Custodians and administrators are all busy individuals and don't have either the time or deeper understanding to be able to look at what the product label or brochure to decipher what exactly it is saying or not saying, unquote. According to the story, the drive to make cleaners more environmentally friendly is an important one. However, increased care and vigilance is needed to ensure that the right green products are used. Health Canada, in an effort to end the confusion over the efficacy of green cleaners and to eliminate greenwashing, is planning to mandate more stringent testing, the story noted. Hospitals are urged to do their research and test products on small scale before they are widely utilized throughout the entire facility, this story added. Okay. And yeah, Cliff, I, I wanted to mention that uh, for our listeners, we're going to have a real uh, top-notch expert, Steve Ashkin from the Ashkin Group, discussing green cleaning and green cleaning products on uh, April 24th. So that fits very nicely. Good. Okay, Joe, let's uh, thank our sponsors, Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. Microband Systems, the microbial management company at microbandsystems.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IEQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. Dry Ease Products, providing equipment for drying water-damaged homes and buildings. Dry Ease is first in drying solutions at dri-eaz.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at jondon.com. And Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, the leader in portable mobile PC-based indoor environmental monitors and reporting software at wolfsense.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. Now back to our interview with Anissa Coy. Okay, Anissa, when you were putting this mobile clean concept together, how did you determine what capabilities to include within the system and what capabilities not to include? Well, I was very much wanting to have this be a system that was very uh, complete and be able to do as many things as we could Um, that obviously were, you know, I also had to weigh it in, you know, what were the 
majority of what we process and, and that you come across in a, in a contents job. Uh, you know, for instance, one of the things that I gave up in, in, in my unit was um, an electronics processing station, mm-hmm. um, which could be put into a unit. I just chose not to do it in my unit um, because we don't do a lot uh, in our area. We just don't seem to have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. What I do have, I sub out. Um, I really wanted it to be, as I said, very complete as possible because the key to the concept is that homeowners can come in at any time and see their items. They feel like they're in control of the situation, um, and as many things as possible could stay on site and not have to be taken away to be done by a subcontractor. Um, It just minimizes the stress for the homeowner. Um, it minimizes the chance of you losing something or having damages occur, and uh, also it takes more time in the process when you're having to deal with that. So I, I really looked at, you know, what was the um, what were the the largest um, areas that we you know did processing. For instance, in our area, I'm not sure how you guys are. Uh, where you're at, um, we have a lot of what we call horns and hides. <laughs> mm-hmm. We have a lot of hunters in our area. Uh, you know, and in some areas, you know, you're probably not going to see that quite so much in Southern California. Um, so, uh, you know, it would kind of depend on, on where you're at. There's there's some ability with the units within our patent pending that, you know, there's a little bit of redesign that we can do. For instance, instead of having the employee restroom on board, if that's not important to you, you can put an Odell system in that same place mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we have some variances there that you can do. There's also two different sizes of ozone rooms. So you can have a bigger ozone room on board or a smaller one. Mm-hmm. So kind of depending on, you know, where you're at and, and what you're processing. How does the mobile clean process save money on claims? Oh, um, we save money uh, in many ways. One, you have no labor to pack the items out. Um, per se, um, you have very minimal labor packing them into the unit from each room that we bring them in in color-coded tubs by the room. We process a room at a time. Um, so you have no, no labor there. Um, you cut way down on the cost of your um, moving trucks if you have one. If we store it on site in a pod, you have no uh, cost for a moving truck. Um, the other thing that it does, which is extremely huge to the insurance company, is you only have half the boxes. You know, if you do a, a pack out that's 220 boxes, now you have 220 boxes that are dirty that you charge the insurance company for, plus you have to charge them for another 220 clean boxes when you repack it and take it back. Well, the processing that we have is, is you only do it once uh, when it's clean. So they're only paying labor to pack it once instead of paying the labor to pack it dirty, take it to a warehouse, unpack it, clean it, and pack it again. Mm-hmm. So it, it extremely... Uh, saves in in labor intensity. Um, The other thing that I feel that's very important to note uh, to a contractor is it saves them uh, a lot of labor, a lot of headache and stress because they're not moving items multiple times, so there's less chance of misplacing a box. There's less chance of an employee dropping a box accidentally and breaking something or dinging the china hutch because you're moving it so many times and that sort of thing. So it's, it's got a lot of uh, savings involved. The other savings to the insurance company that's very huge as well is we're, you know, our average job, we are, from the time we show up on the job, which is usually uh, in 48 hours, we are completing a job on average home 
including long destroyed items and structure clean in 7.2 days. So these items are not sitting, um, waiting to be cleaned for, you know, two, three, four weeks um, in a warehouse in the traditional packout method versus, you know, it's being done right there on site in just a matter of days. So uh, jo- I, I think that's huge. Joe's got a question for you. Mm-hmm. I do, Anissa. What, um, I have a two-parter. Uh, first, are you the only one with this type of equipment out there that you're aware of? And second, um, what about this idea that you have is patentable? Patentable. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, actually, yes, we are the only ones out there with it. We did a, a pre-patent search when we applied for the patent, and uh, it is it is international as well, uh, Canada, UK, Germany, um, and the only and and there's absolutely nothing completely, um, you know, uh, systemized the way that is. There's a couple of different companies that have, and I and I've actually talked to a couple of them. They'll actually pull up on site, bring equipment, unload it, take it in the structure and clean and do things but uh, nothing that's completely you know our unit is completely built in with cabinetry hardwired in i mean field responding machines mounted inside the unit that sort of thing um what's patentable about it is the uniqueness of you know it isn't just a a fifth wheel trailer with a drop that backs down pulled up with cabinetry and an ultrasonic and a dry ozone sitting in it it's an actual system that was laid out, and, and actually uh, uh, a friend of mine, Ron Osborne, uh, was very hugely instrumental in, in, in this coming together. And he um, sat down with me and helped to design and draw the inside of the building or the unit. You know, I said, this is what I want to do. This is how we have need to process it, and gave him my perfect world, and he helped draw and design. And he actually physically, Cliff, built the cabinetry and set the uh, equipment in the unit that you saw in uh, Palm Springs a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, and uh, w- which was which was simply amazing. And he um, or uh, the unit is you know it's not just like I said a couple of sinks an ultrasonic machine and cabinets. It's a system that's laid out um, and and being able to be taken in a pull behind unit. Our patent involves anything from any length of a pull behind unit with you know. Minus a, you know, you have to, you have a semi-trailer. Uh, we didn't go in that realm. Um, and then, of course, also we have it in the back of a truck. You can actually do it in a tube truck or a box van type, you know, mm-hmm. a large one. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what's patentable about it. It's not just that it's those those items sitting inside of a box. It's an actual system approach um, and, a, and concept that no one else is doing. Yeah, I think what's unique about it, and it's probably something that. Um I've seen with it that perhaps other people haven't seen is that when all these people are standing at their workstations, there's actually a workflow. So they don't bump into one another. And, you know, it's almost like an assembly line or I guess a mobile cleaning factory might be a, uh, another yeah. way to, uh, to refer to it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. How do you coordinate this mobile cleaning factory with the completion of the other tasks and trades that are going on within the the dwelling or building that you're working on that's uh yeah that's actually a good question what what we generally do is when we come on board and we're just doing the contents for instance the job that i'm on right now um actually ron ron osborne referred me to and he's doing the structure his restoration company is actually doing the structure part of this so being that we are in and out so quickly 
what I like to do, if I can coordinate with, with our homeowner and that contractor, is I like to come in and basically, besides the emergency, you know, if you need to board up windows or safe off electricity or safe off plumbing, I like to be the only person there pretty much mm-hmm. um, because it, it's difficult. Uh, I actually had an uh, incident happen where we were on a, a job in, in Moscow, Idaho, and a subcontractor was already starting the demo in the room that needed to be demoed, and we had cleaned that entire level of the house. And, uh, yeah, I had some very careless workers whacking the side of my <laughs> very expensive unit <laughs> with sheetrock, so that didn't work out too well. Um, I do coordinate with, like, ductwork cleaning, um, upholstery and carpet cleaning, like Ron's companies coming in and doing that on this lot. And so we have to coordinate that, and we can work very well with them by, you know, obviously having some good open communication. But really, we're in and out so quickly, Cliff, that it's it's never posed a problem for the subcontractors coming in. Um, if we're doing a, an area, for instance, a two-story home that I know this part of the home is going to be demoed, we get those log destroyed items done and cleaned out and out of that area first. So then potentially that company can, you know, come in a couple of days before we're done and start that demo process. You know, have you thought about, you know, a method of preventing cross-contamination, you know, within the vehicle and, and considered, uh, you know, how the air flow should, should work, whether it should be positively pressurized or, or negatively pressurized? You know, did you give any consideration to that? Absolutely. Um, one of the big concerns that we had with the unit was, um, you know, in, in regards to not just obviously, you know, mold remediation, um, you know, was the, the fact that we're in such close proximity and here we're dealing with, you know, smoke and soot and contaminated items and not too far away because, like I said, we're in under 300 square feet. We have the cleaned, you know, uncontaminated items that we're dealing with. So when we, the unit is actually um, closed up when we're in there working, we have central heat and air and vent system that will, um, you know, causes positive pressure inside the unit Mm -hmm. so that we don't have problems with that. We also run a dry ease HEPA 500, Mm -hmm. which is, I know, completely overkill, but I would rather have too much than too little, in my opinion, inside the unit while we are cleaning and working. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so we also have the ability what, where I've designed the unit. And if, if uh, you look at it, um, we've got some uh, pictures of it on the website. There's a what I call the contamination line where everything from this point back is contaminated. Everything this point forward is decontaminated. And right there in that area, we're able to uh, have actually put up a temporary zip wall mm-hmm. to help in that process as well if necessary. So that, that was definitely a concern, and, and we're working on a little bit in our some of our redesign in regards to mold remediation. My husband is is the, the mold guy in the company, and he's uh, helping me with doing a little bit of redesign to be sure that we're uh, getting a, a little bit extra, like a, a double chamber uh, when we're dealing with mold uh, situations that we'll be coming out with in our, our next design. Uh, Anise, did you mention the, um, the HEPA vacuum system in there? Oh, no. No, I did not. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I, I got all stressed about that two minutes, maybe, and I forgot that part. Um, yeah, we do have an inline HEPA vacuum system uh, in, in the unit, uh, which is really awesome. Uh, and um, we can use that. Uh, we have the ability to, to use that. We have an outside awning and, and room that we can actually, uh, a plastic side that we could do items outside, weather permitting. 
just outside the unit, we can use that hose. We have a 100-foot hose available to us, and then we have that there in the unit to be able to HEPA vacuum off items with smoke and soot um, and or, you know, uh, mold if, if that's what we're processing. So we do have that on board. I'm just curious, is that, um, do you, I noticed that at several stations there were these HEPA vacuum hoses, and uh, do they all go to one collection point, or are they individual units? No, they all go to one collection point, and actually, I'm, I, there's we actually have a, um, a air compressor as well on board where we can you know blow out items and that sort of thing. And you might be seeing there's there's five different stations with air compressor that have coiled hoses on them. That is actually the uh, air compressor stations that are throughout the unit. We have two HEPA vacuum uh, outlets that are at the very back of the unit. So those and those do um, come down into a central system that actually Ron designed uh, for me, and uh, it comes into a, a single collection area. So we're able to empty that and uh, put in a new filter when need be. Uh, let's shift to the softer side of the business, Anissa. Um, how do you keep connected with both clients and the adjuster during the restoration process to make them feel confident about your work? Well, the connection with the clients is, is, is just the beauty of mobile clean. It allows you to be very connected with them. Um, you know, we, I, I openly welcome the homeowners. When we initially show up to a job, you know, we do a, I have them meet me. We sign releases, and we do a walkthrough of the home, as we talked about earlier. And I invite them at any time they're welcome to come up to the unit and, you know, tap on the door and come on in. If this is, you know, their items and their home and we are guests here. Um, so I really want to, I really give them ownership, if you will, um, and try to give them as, as much feeling of control as I can um, because I feel that that relieves, it relieves a lot of their stress. And so I encourage them to come by. In fact, I ask them to at least stop every couple of days because we're processing their stuff so fast that, you know, we'll have questions come up. You know, for instance, is this a mat on this picture? It is stained. I have no odor. But is this, you know, so special that she doesn't want it replaced? Or do you want me to take it to the art place and have a new matting put in? Um, and so that, that is amazing right there, seeing them pretty much on a daily basis um, develops a, a close relationship real quickly with our homeowners. Um, the other thing with the adjuster is I absolutely encourage the adjuster to please be at the job site when I show up. Of course, they can't all do that. So I will call them um, and talk with them. If they haven't worked with me before, I you know, introduce myself, direct them to our website so they can take a peek and, and see that our company is a certified firm with ICRC and, and this sort of thing and reassure them. Um, and then I also call them um, every couple of days. As I said, the claims go so fast that I, you know, there's a lot of information I'm going to be giving to them in just a matter of days. So I let them know that. Do expect that call from me. And I, I talk to them and communicate with them if I feel iffy about something. You know, I'm really not sure about that ceiling fan. It's kind of questionable. You make the call. I, I, I try, again try to, you know, really involve the adjuster in those kind of decisions. Um, you know, the, pretty much uh, the adjusters that we work with in the eastern part of Washington State now are so familiar with us as this adjuster on this claim that just, Anissa, I'm just, you know, do what you need to do and, and send me your invoice because I, I trust your judgment. So, and I, and I think that that comes from the fact I've done several other losses uh, with him in the Spokane area, 
And so he knows, you know, I've developed that relationship with him and he knows how we work and how systemized and orderly that we are on items. And, uh, you know, and that we're an ethical company and that, you know, we don't destroy items unnecessarily and that sort of thing. So... Okay. Well, actually, I'm, I'm sorry to report that we've pretty much run out of time. What we're going to do now is go to a roundup, and uh, p- please hang on. Uh, we're going to each ask you another question and give you an opportunity for some closing comments. Okay. Okay. Okay, I think we're going to go Dieter, Joe, Annie, uh, Cliff. Uh, Dieter, any final comments or questions for Anissa? Uh, well, yeah, just a quick comment. I mean, I'm, I'm glad that they are aware of the hazards that are sometimes associated with cleaning messed up things. And uh, it literally can be anything under the sun. And if you have a fire, there is not a chemist in the world who can say, oh, I know this and this and this and this is on there. That just doesn't happen that way. So, uh, yes, uh, one has to be careful. One has to have um, personal protective equipment. And uh, that is a wise way of um, starting a job like this. Thank you. Thank you. Joe. Yes, I I don't know. I, I... I had to miss just a section. I want to make sure I didn't miss this question, and that would be, how do you handle the larger items like wood furniture, um, you know, any larger items? Do they fit into your mobile unit, or do you use that kind of awning thing, or how do you handle that? Actually, um, all of the above, Joe. (laughs) Sometimes, depending on the weather, um, the awning is what we use. Um, which is really nice because then we're able to um, process inside the unit as well as have a couple of the team members there doing the large items. Um, we will oftentimes bring them inside the unit. Um, it's actually pretty spacious in there. I know it being an 8 by 34 foot um, trailer, you know, doesn't uh, look real spacious uh, or, or sound like it, but it's, it's quite spacious inside. One of the, And so sometimes we'll bring them right inside the unit itself, and, of course, there's, you know, usually three people at that point if it's a large piece of furniture working on the same piece. I'll have a couple of my team members then packing and maybe somebody's inside the structure doing, you know, destroyed items. So we'll kind of split up a bit because a large piece of furniture and seven people in the unit doesn't work very well. Um, But sometimes we also will do a, a, a clean in the structure, like I said, like we're doing today. You know, it's a very, very, very mild cleaning. Um, and um, we found that that works real well. We're also working on one of the little tweaks we're adding to the design of our next unit is um, uh, an option for a slide-out. One, one part of the cabinetry and everything would actually slide out in a 10-foot section and slide out two or three feet because uh, we are finding that it's a, a little bit difficult um, if it's a very large, like, china hutch um, that doesn't come apart into two pieces. We have a real dif- uh, uh, some difficulty there. So we want to have that be a little bit more uh, usable. And my whole goal is to get everything inside the unit. So uh, we are working on that for a design. I would imagine things like, you know, box springs and mattresses would be tough, too. If you... Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. That is, that's a little tricky sometimes. So 
Um, oftentimes, you know, it, it seems to be that we're finding a lot more for some reason that adjusters are destroying the beds right off the bat, which I'm trying to uh, discourage and actually get away from because I don't think that's always necessary. Um, but yes, those are those are a little bit more of a challenge as well. Queen, full-size, twin, not so much, but yeah, king-size bed is, is a little bit of a challenge. So we're hoping that this little redesign will help that a little bit. Great. And I, if, if I don't get a chance to uh, do it at the end, thank you so much for joining us. This has been very interesting. Thank you, Joe. Anissa, most people describe restoration work as 24-7, yet I understand you've managed to have a life outside of work. Uh, how have you developed a team to allow you to take some time for yourself? Well, we, um, uh, I, we've actually had a lot of help in that, and uh, we belong to a, um, a coaching club group that uh, deals with systems and, and marketing, and it has helped us a lot. And uh, a really uh, a dear friend, uh, Lisa Wagner, has been very instrumental in, in gel polish in helping us with that. And we have developed things um, within our company, um, uh, like I said, a systems approach to our team as well as what we do within the company with our mobile clean unit. And we really invest in our team and ask that they invest in um, us as well. Um, our motto is, you know, we put our, our clients and our company first, which always takes care of self. And so we talk to our team members about that. We also have a program in our company called the Dream Manager, and uh, Tony and Mary Miller uh, created that in their cleaning company in Chicago, and it's been uh, very, very uh, instrumental in helping us to um, have a lot of buy-in from our, from our team members. And I think that having things set up where there's a lot of, of course, for me, it's, it's a lot of security and being organized and structured and I think that our team really, really appreciates that as well because then they have stability, you know, and, and especially right now with what's going on in the economy, there's a lot of people in our area anyway losing their jobs um, that have had them for many years. And we're actually, we just hired two new people, and we're actually, I'm looking for more mobile clean staff team members right now. In fact, I'm trying to hire two or three more. So it's, um, you know, they see a lot of security and stability there and the fact that they are not just doing a job that they are actually being the hero for someone by coming in and helping them put things back together and bring some some sanity you know and hope to their life when something like this happens and i think that that's been very instrumental uh, for us to have a life outside of our work well i think that um i've got a question and then um you know we just do some final clarification uh, mm -hmm. is it a personal, if, 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 if you were trying to uh, get someone to get interested in this niche in the business, is it about the personal side? Is it about helping people? Is it about the financial opportunity? You know, why would someone want to get into restoration work, specifically contents cleaning and restoration? Well, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talk about how, um, contents cleaning, um, I've heard this from restoration companies, you know, that there's a lot of headache involved, that there's, you know, it's, it's high labor and that it's low profit. And I don't feel that that's because of contents cleaning. I feel that that's because of maybe they're doing something that, um, they're, that their heart maybe isn't really into as much um, and, and that they're not potentially, you know, doing the best systems approach that they could be doing. I feel the most important reason, you know, 
there's a lot of ways to clean a kitchen table, and there's a lot of, and they're all right, and and there's a lot of technology out there with us to help us clean smoke and soot off walls and decontaminate and that sort of thing. I don't feel like that is necessarily the the, the biggest, um, most important piece of our work. It is important. The important part, if someone's considering getting into content restoration, is that they should be very passionate about helping people and about helping them provide them with some hope that, you know, tomorrow's going to be another day and things are going to be okay, that we can put things back together, life will go back to normal, and um, things can maybe even be better than they were before. You know, these are... These situations aren't always, but oftentimes we've been involved with losses where the family pet saved the family and then died in the fire. That's happened a lot to us over the last couple of years, and that's very tragic. That's very difficult. It's, it's a lot of emotion that people deal with in this. Some, some, in fact, a very someone very close to us that works at our company actually lost her entire home three years ago. She lost her wedding dress, everything. And that's a very emotional um, thing to go through when you're talking about people, our things, our memories, are our lives. It's what make up our history of where we've been and who we are. And so I feel that's extremely important for anyone who's going to get into this. It's, an, it's a great niche market. It is so rewarding. But you have to be very passionate about what you're doing. It's a humanized process. It's not mechanical. We actually have a text message that Annie's going to ask you. Okay. How do you find people with a predisposition to do cleaning and be neat? <laughs> you know, that's a good, that's a very good question. Um, we actually, um, we do a several-step process in our interviewing. We use a test called Colby uh, as part of our hiring process where we kind of look and see how someone, you know, what their mode of operation is and, and kind of what they're predisposed, how well they function and, and you know, what stresses them out, what, uh, what are they happy in functioning in the type of environment. And um, I, we have a very detailed uh, three-interview process when we hire someone. Uh, we actually also use free recorded messages where we have people call, phone into a 1-800 number and talk about what we do in Mobile Clean. Um, we also, I bring them on board for one day. And, and I always I do the one-day hire <laughs> and have everyone come in and basically do a test drive and work on the unit with us. And then at the end of the day, it, you, you usually know it's either a, wow, this is amazing, I've never been you know, done something like this, this is so cool and incredible, I love it, or it's, you know what, thank you very much, but uh, this is not for me. So it, it does take a unique um, personality and person to um, be able to do this uh, sort of, of work as I'm sure anyone in warehouse processing as well knows. And uh, it is something that we were very careful with picking our staff and, and do a lot of, like I said, step interview process and make sure that it's, it's that their hearts in it because, like I said before, I think that that's the most important part. Anissa, are there any questions that we forgot to ask you or there's anything that you'd like to add or, or clarify for the listeners? Um, no, you guys grilled me really well. <laughs> Um, I would just like to make sure that anyone who, who is listening um, who is maybe um, either 
contemplating getting into content restoration or uh, whether they want to start it in up in their business, start a new business, or maybe you just are kind of interested and want to maybe think about working in the content side um, of a company, that you should uh, really, like I said, really think about why it is that you want to do this. Um, the money's there. The profit margins are, are very nice. Um, and there's uh, a lot of technology that we have out there today to be able to, you know, really come in and, and take care of someone and, like I said before, be their hero. And it's not many, many jobs that we get to do that, you know, today and, and come in and, and be the good guy. And uh, it, it's just very, very nice. And I would really encourage anyone that it does restoration. I feel it's, it's a uh, really great added benefit to your company uh, financially. And, you know, we do, um, you know, there's a lot of things that we're going to be doing with Mobile Clean, looking at, you know, potentially lease options. And we actually are, are providing the units for sale to the industry um, uh, here shortly. And, um, you know, uh, subcontracting capabilities, we do other companies hire us all over. And um, I would just really encourage someone to look into it if you're, if you're really passionate about helping people and being a part of something that, you know, really makes a difference and matters and, you know, content restoration and, and uh, mobile clean is that. You know, the last question we always ask is, how can the listener learn more about mobile clean? Well, you can um, go to our website, uh, www.mobile-clean.com, and we have uh, quite a bit of information there. You can actually see pictures of the unit and um, hear video testimonials from clients, and uh, we have a blog there. Um, you can also um, call... Our offices, um, our number is 509-935-0767. And you can also email me at anissa, A-N-N-I-S-S-A, at mobile-clean.com. Okay. You know, thank you, Anissa, for joining us to tell us not only about Mobile Clean, but to tell us about your uh, need to clean and your need to organize. Before we sign off, I'd like to thank my co-host, Radio Joe Hughes, the wingman, Chris Boisel, our guest host, Environmental Annie, uh, and our technical director, Dr. Dieter Weil. But most importantly, we'd like to thank you, our growing group of loyal listeners. Please come back and join us next Friday at noon for the next broadcast of IEQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production. 